and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noah Fogelman. You can follow Reliving My Youth on Facebook by liking the page Reliving My Youth. You can follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at the first Noah19. If you like any of the episodes we've had in the past, over 300 of them, including this one coming up, please go to iTunes and rate and review the show. That would really help me out. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast. This week, I have Lance Hoppin on from Orleans. Lance is the last original member of the band right now. In Orleans, soft rock slash yacht rock bands had amazing hits back in the late 70s, including Still the One, Dance With Me, and Love Takes Time. We talk about Still the One's placement in pop culture. We also talk about the band's revolving door of members, what they did during the pandemic, their time during the 90s, which I really like some of their albums in the 90s, and what Lance is doing with the band these days. I really enjoyed my conversation with Lance, and I hope you do as well. So Lance, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. Always love to talk about myself. Yeah, of course, right? Your, your favorite topic, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess, you know, we're a few years outside the pandemic uh, now, but like how did the pandemic uh, affect the band and are you guys kind of like finally recovered from it? Yeah, so, geez, okay. What a place to start. So in 2019, <laughs> I, was at, I was at, personally, I was at my peak. We were doing a lot of Orleans shows. I do these corporate shows where I'm the band leader of this fantastic band. And um, we do multi-act shows, like three, six, ten artists at a time. That was going on. I was subbing at Firefall. I was playing in Felix Cavalieri's band. I was playing at church every time. I mean, I was I was rocking. And then uh, 2020 happened. And um, yeah, the last thing we got I got to do was one of those big ten-act shows. And a week later, everything came crashing down uh and you know i figured what three months a month three something you know well fine and then it just like dawned on us all, oh yeah. my god this is gonna be a while so um to adjust we um we all had to learn more about home recording right each of us me included so so we uh, managed that time to use that time to produce four uh, video productions for YouTube, each one getting increasingly more sophisticated as we went. Uh, and that was good, good learning process. And then, and also I undertook to, uh, I'm not, I'm not social media savvy, nor I'm not much of a fan, but <clears throat> what are we going to do? So I took it upon myself. I had all this library, scattered library of, Orleans video performances, live live stuff over the decades. And so I compiled it all. And then I started releasing, like putting things together that were of a kind, like an Opus 40 show of this year or that year or Japan or whatever. And then we started releasing these things every week uh, to keep their audience engaged and 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 offer free content and uh, and relive some of the glory days as we went. So it was really very cool. There's a lot of cool stuff up the channels, Orleans Online on YouTube. And as we got to the turn of the year into 21, we started thinking, well, we've got four of these new, newish or remade or new song productions that might be the start of a 
an album, a collection. So we'd endeavored, we said, well, we're coming up on 50 years too. Maybe this is the start of the 50th anniversary uh, album or, you know, swan song or whatever. That's, and, but the next thought was, well, there's more of a deadline to do a Christmas album. Let's do that. Let's try and let's do that. So think started thinking about that in January of 21, started working on it. Um, John was very distracted. John Hall was working on his own album. He was somewhere in the process of divorcing and it was a several year process and also falling in love and making an out, you know, a lot of things going on for him. Right. So I kind of took the helm along with my engineer, Mike Malfizi, our live engineer, who I've been working with since 1980, not consistently, but, you know, for 40 something years. So he and I co-produced, first of all, the band gathered uh, a dozen different songs in various um, states of uh, process. Some were, okay, that's a good thing from that source, as is, we'll just lift it, like Fly Amero, our guitar player of 20 years, he had a couple songs that were appropriate and done. There wasn't any need to work with them. He had one called Jingling in New England that we did We did the background vocals on. We speaks it up that way. John had a couple songs, uh, one called Quiet Place that was just this really simple, simply barely, uh, very sparse production. And I had all these big production ideas for it. And we turned that into a big, big thing. I'm very proud of that. So anyway, uh, and four things we started from scratch. So there were four things from scratch, four things that needed reworking, four things that were as is. And, uh, and over the course of the first half of that year, we did it from uh, remotely, right? So it was a very tedious process in that, in that respect, back and forth, back and forth. And once we uh, were getting to, done with that, we started actually to work live again around June, July 21, slowly and surely. And um, so that happened. And then we, uh, so it took into 22, yeah, to kind of hit a stride again. But rather than have, you know, for us, a year is like three dozen shows, you know, it's like, it's not like 150, you know, hundreds, you know, if we do three dozen, we're good, you know, it's like, right. that's enough. It's like, good. 50 would be pushing it, you know, but not, but it's not like we get offered 50 shows a year. So, so, but I think in 22, we only did maybe two dozen shows okay. still as the industry came back and, and the band came back. Um, and 23, kind of similarly, like, so a slow, slow uh, ramp up out of the, uh, out of the COVID era, having uh, released that Christmas album. And um, other things, you know, worth mentioning as we go here are like the roster changes have been, you know, fast and furious. Right. <laughs> at the whole topic of itself. But to answer your question, yeah, we spent the time productively while we were locked down. And then we slowly back up into whatever the world would have in terms of live shows. And so now, you know, we're fully operational, but uh, calendar's a little sparse. Right. I mean, there's never a good time to have a pandemic. 
<laughs> but do you imagine having it when or Orleans was at its heights and then everything shut down where you couldn't remotely send files or work from home? I mean, at least now with the technology, you're able to put in an album or be relevant, you know, still, you know, get in touch with your fans. So at least in that regard, technology really helped during the pandemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And things, you know, so it made us uh, as usual. Um, crisis is opportunity. So it, it uh, everybody learned a lot uh, in the process of how to do these things. And I've carried those skills forward as we go. Right. And you mentioned, you know, the roster changes, you know, other than like Brady and like Tom, you still have the same, you know, I mean, obviously John not being in the band anymore, but you still have, you know, some of the core guys still from back, you know, from like 80 pr pretty much. So well, less and less. And so yeah, a, a quick a yeah, a quick timeline. John holds a record for leaving and coming back the most times. Right. His his final departure, his fifth departure, was March of twenty two. So so uh, on this timeline, John had taken well. So so of course we lost Wells in eighty four. Mm. Right, early death. That was right. Terrible. Terrible, but he wasn't in the band at the time anyway, and neither was John. But that actually precipitated a memorial service, and John and Larry, after seven years, reconnected and said, "Hey, this is this is good. So let's try it again." So then the three of us went to Nashville in '85, made that made a made a record for Tony Brown here, <clears throat> and then that would lasted a few years, and then we then John quit again because it wasn't having any fun, and then we got back in 1990 to do a, a double live album for Japan, as it turned out, double live. And uh, then we kept going. Um, and <clears throat> that ended in uh, 97 when John quit again, because he wasn't having any fun. Right. <laughs> and uh, so Larry and I were, Larry and me, Larry, John, you know, that core all along the way with different um, add-ons, two or three guys, you know, all really great in their own right. And I'm, um, grateful for each and every one of them. So then when we hit uh, 2000, John says, hey, let's, what about playing Opus 40? You want to try that? So we did that. And it was such, such a great show in Woodstock in the fall. It was always on Labor Day weekend. Now we just said, oh, this is too good. So we, the three of us endeavored to move forward. And that lasted until John wanted to run for Congress. Right. Right. So in 05, he said, I got to, I got to do this. And so we got Fly Amaro back in the band who had, been a, briefly in the early 80s. <clears throat> and so Fly came in in 2006-ish, and that band lasted. Oh, and along the way, we got Charlie Morgan on drums around 2000, and also my younger brother Lane, who had been in and out. He became permanent in uh, in 2000 forward. So that band lasted until Larry's uh, death in 2012. Um, and that's when, I mean, all hell broke loose, of course. <clears throat> and I thought we were, you know, so John came back. I just wanted to finish the year. Right. It happened in July. And um, we had about eight shows to do. And I just, you know, I didn't want to just fade away, you know. And a lot of people depended on it. Like the band, for one thing, the players, uh, the, the, the team, the promoters, the audience, you know, I just didn't want to fold. I said, well, let's finish the year somehow. So guys came back. Peter, uh, Bob Lineback helped, Charlie Shu, Fly, even guys outside the band like uh, Joe Bashir from uh, the Oyster Cult. And, right. Uh, 
Cafferty. And, you know, so we had got some assistance to finish these shows. And come November of uh, 2012, I said, well, 40 years, that, that's it. That must be it. And we ended it with a benefit show for Larry's kids. Hmm. And no sooner had I done that than a guy called me up who I had met earlier that summer. Um, uh, we had uh, we have one product with his label called uh, Live Harvard Square 75. So that's all I knew. We had a, and so we met for the first time. And he, he said, you know, if you ever, so he called me back like after uh, in November, after around Thanksgiving. And he said, if you guys want to tour for next year, I can do that for you. So it was like, wow, what do you think, John? And so we said, well, let's try that. So, so 2013, you see this poster behind me, Sale Rock? Yes. Okay. So that was like, we were the house band, Christopher Cross, us. Okay. Robbie Dupree, Firefall, Gary Wright, um, player. So like John Ford Coley, you know. And so we were the backup band for everybody. Okay. And that, that show put us back on the map and and uh, we, we got through the year that way. And then it was like, wow, so 2014, 15, just kept going. And um, <clears throat> that lasted till 2018 when Charlie left the band and Brady came in on drums. And then since then, it's been pretty tumultuous because John ducked out in the summer of 2019. And that then I got a guy named Chip Martin to come in. And he was doing great. A friend of mine. Great. And then uh, John said, well, I'm ready to come back. And that was the spring of 20, but COVID hit. Right. Right. So there wasn't any gigs anyway. Yeah. But at least we did that recording stuff. Right. And then so that went through until we started working again. 21. And then there was a time when uh, I guess it was, uh, I'm losing the actual timeline here, but it, then there was a time when Fly uh, had a health thing. So he had to go. He had to get off the road. So that's when we got Tom Lane. And that lasted for from August till like the next spring. And then John had to go again. Like he had to leave. So then Fly had had enough time to recover from his health thing. So he came back. So it went from Chip to John to, it went from John to Chip to, to, to Tom, you know, like through these, all these changes. And then ultimately, um, so John left. And then like the next spring, we, we, last year, last February, we played a great show. Band was all, Together. And no sooner than we had done that, than Fly said, I have, I have a heart problem. I have to come off the road. Oh, wow. And this, so here's where it gets really interesting. <laughs> we can stand the long, long story. Right. So I'm only two, I'm a week away from the, from this huge, the big show of the year, the one I talk about, 10 acts, right? Okay. Where I'm the band leader and it's a, it's a multi-month process to do this thing and be prepared and make sure it, and, and always a Herculean effort. So I'm a one week away from that. And I'm finally woodshedding my own stuff, right? I'm trying to learn what I got to do because I farmed everything out to everybody. And Fly calls up and says, I got to, sorry, I got to quit. And it's like, wow. Because, so I had to finish that project. And then two weeks later, we had to go, we were going to do the Rock and Romance Cruise. Okay. 
but I didn't have I didn't have to fly. I was man down, right? Yeah. So so Mike Seavers, who I know from Felix's band for twenty years, great guitar player, was on that big show with me, and I said, "You can you sub for a while?" And so in a two week time frame, Mike learned all this stuff, and I trained him, and we went on the uh, we went to do the cruise. Well, two days before getting on the boat. I had to do the obligatory COVID test and my jaw hit the floor when the guy said you're positive. Uh -huh. And I was thinking, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm, I haven't been sick. I, if And the ramifications of me not being to get on the boat with only 48 hour window, right? right. It's like the economics, the logistics, the pol politics, yeah. the whole thing was like just a mind blowing wow and so i told my manager he says well all you can do is test again tomorrow and i waited and 24 hours i went to the end of the day i went to the place i was blabbering to the technician this has to be positive has yeah. negative, has negative. negative. <laughs> as if she had anything to do with it and right. the little girl that came back came back negative oh wow okay wait but i traced it back to the big show which was like 12 days earlier that's where I picked it up and had the mildest of cases, right? Okay. So, so then, so that's crisis is averted, and then we go to get on the fly to me up Miami, get on the ship, and then Tom, who sings all the high stuff and sings still the one, he he tells me, oh, I think I picked up a sinus infection on the plane. I don't have much of a voice. Oh, no. So, so, so with a, with Mike subbing and Tom and no fly, you know, mm -hmm. what a nightmare! Like to <laughs> like to act as if right yeah so we got through the cruise and then we had another half a dozen shows to do and it was a mix of quartet where there's no drums and quintet we had never done a quartet and i hadn't done that with mike sievers you know so it was constantly rehearse do a show rehearse do a show rehearse do a show and uh, in the middle of that six show run there was one that mike couldn't do so then we had to bring in another guy Tom's friend, Tony Hooper, okay. who was the contender to be the long-term guy. Mm. But in the middle of all that hecticness, I had to train him to do the one show and then go back to Mike and finish that. And so when we got to the end of that, April 15th at Daryl's house club in Pauling, man, was I glad that was over because I was just right. super, 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 super stressful. So from that point forward, you have me, Lane, Brady, Tom, who at that point now had, you know, like a year and a half under his belt. Right. And his buddy of 20, 30 years playing this Tony Hooper. They, and they had a great thing going on. And Tony grew into the part. But we didn't have a lot of gigs. So, again, it was rehearse, do a gig, rehearse, do a gig. And then it took until uh, September, I would say. <clears throat> When we had tested all the material, figured out what everybody could do, um, develop new things, new treatments, who sings what. Uh, all five guys sing lead at this point. It's a great, it's great. Right. That's good. And so so that band really gelled come spring, come fall. And um, I felt like having pushed the rock up the hill long and hard enough, it was finally starting to roll down the other hill, right? right? And so just to finish the story, so that band is really, really good. Like 
this version, even though I'm the only original, <clears throat> that's how it has to be. Right. It carries on the legacy, the the the, the essence of Orleans, the song structures, the vocals, the guitar playing, the everything. You know, it's a it's not as funky. It's more polished pop, but it's really strong. And um and it's in each of the versions of which there have been a dozen plus over the years, each had its strengths and weaknesses at the time. Right. But they're all Orleans. And it, and you have to look at it as like an evolution, uh, as opposed to, you know, well, they're they only have one guy left, you know. It's not it's not it's not that. It's just it's a thread that runs throughout and yeah, and I guess some critics would say, well, it's only, you know, it's not genuine anymore. Well, to me, to me, it is the next extension of the logical extension of the of the 50 plus year history. And that's right. how we that's how we are entering um, 2024. Right. And I'm sure the fans enjoy the shows, right? Fans love it. I mean, and that's all that matters. Yeah. For one thing, I. I'm, I have very high standards, very high. Right. And and if it's not good, I'm not I'm not doing it. So I've I've actually threatened to quit several times over quality control. Like this is not this is not it. Right. <clears throat> over the in recent years, but it never happened. And but this one, I go this one. I feel this is the most consistently excellent version in my mind in a long, long time. Maybe since Larry. Okay, it, wow. you know, and it's different, but it's that strong, and um, it's that um, well oiled. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, and the shows have a start, a middle, and end. It makes sense. It goes through all kinds of. Right. Everybody gets their shot. Everybody has a spotlight, and then it's their turn to lay back. Everybody sings, lead. Everybody sings. It's really, really good. So. Um, I can relax now going to shows knowing they're going to be good. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now I just need more shows. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm, I'm sure hopefully it'll, it'll fill up a little more as the year goes, goes on. Now, how, how many of those shows do you just do like a night of Orleans or is it more of like, you know, triple bill, double bill? Now? It's, it's both. Um, sometimes it's an evening with where you have, you know, like a 250 seat forming arts center or something might even have 45 minutes intermission, 45 minutes like that, or a little more intimate, um, that kind of setting. Sometimes it's three. We often work with Firefall and Pure Curry okay. League. Before that, it was with Poco, of course, Rusty passed. Right. In Poco. Um, so, so multi-act builds like that or uh, solo, a mixture. And of course, on the cruise, you know, you're one of, yeah, twenty. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, right. uh, and I like it. I like it either way. I like, you know, forty five minute sets on a three act show. I like that. I yeah. like ninety minute intimate settings where you can tell stories and, you know, and everything in between. Right. Was there ever a time that maybe you couldn't play one of your three big songs, or it just couldn't it didn't sound right with any of the the singers? No, there's never been a time of that. Um, it's just been better and not as good. Right. See, when Larry passed, so then it was like, well, what do we do now? You know. Yeah. Like, 
first of all, there were a lot of things we would never do again because they were very Larry centric. Right. But you have to do still the one. So yeah. how do how do you do that? And it's the range of the song, the high vocal. Well, it turns out Fly could sing it. Good. But also turned out like it's this really strenuous thing. So then he would sing the verses and we would get to the chorus and then Lane would sing that that incessant G sharp over yeah. and over again. So Fly could take a break. And like that. And then when we get to the bridge where it's really high and I have my falsetto, then I would sing the bridge. Right. And then we come back and then it's like back to, you know. So we worked ha- how to do these things that, that you know, were uh, good representations and um, and the audience could, could enjoy it. And then now Tom Lane, he, he sings Still the One Great. And we do this similar thing where I sing the bridge. So these things have worked out. Uh, Love Takes Time was really hard to do. Um, I had to learn. I don't have Larry's range, right? So I had to learn how to to be authentic, but adapted to my abilities, not his abilities. And it took a while for me to get that under my belt. But again, more than presentable, uh, really good, actually. And and, um, dance with me, not a problem. Right within my range and uh so we have to do those dance in the moonlight is our other yeah adopted hit right that has a whole story to itself which you may or may not know you know but we were attached to that song since before there even was orleans and before there was a king harvest to have a hit on it so yeah we uh incorporate that you know people like people like hits even if they're covers yeah and so that's those are the that's the crux of you know that's the super core of a show and then you build around that depending on how much time you have uh, right up to to a 90 minute show right and i'm assuming like the buck stops with you with all decisions on set lists and whatnot and it does now yeah <laughs> it, it, used to, it used to be a committee of two me and john and, okay and he and i think and he he he'd admit it we just don't see eye to eye on a lot of things you know like yeah uh, in terms of that stuff and so you know but we it's just like it's checks and balances right and uh <clears throat> that kind of friction makes for good creativity but these days yeah now that there is only me then right. i am, i am the king you know yeah. <laughs> and the guys uh respect that but i also am very inclusive it's, you know it's like you're there to do what you do because you do it really well so go ahead and do it really well you know yeah. but I really, really want you to approach it this way. You know, yeah. <laughs> I want, I've, I'm going to figure out the vocals and I'll assign them all because I know yeah. what everybody, you know, right. I, do, I do all that. That's right. my job. Yeah. Are there any Orlean songs that you just can't stand? Can't stand? No, there's some recordings that don't hold up. Okay. And, but, 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 a, a minority, a, a small number, right. I think. Like, oh yeah, yeah we kind of missed the mark on that, on that one or that album, even like missed the mark. But there's some stuff that's just timeless and uh, yeah. and stuff, uh, not just the obvious stuff, but some other things that are not well known that to me are like, yeah, that was really, really, really good, you know. Yeah, and nothing I can't stand. And if if I don't enjoy playing it, we don't, don't play it. We don't play it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the one, the one that I struggle with is Reach. 
stop and wonder Why can't I let myself enjoy The space I'm in And all the wonderful places I've been such a good song yeah it is i love it and a good vibe yeah and in different versions various versions of the band it worked really really well but there came a time like in recently not now but a version or two back it's like it just doesn't feel right this isn't like this is just laying there and i don't get it you know i don't how do we fix it it's not happening and it wasn't just me feeling that i got some feedback to that effect too from From trusted sources like this is not a lot of fun and so i put it away but then the guys really wanted to do it i said okay well, if we're going to do it let's do it good yeah and so we've reworked that into the show because it is a powerful message and it's a, a fan favorite and it's a staple you know and i and i have to balance um the classic catalog yeah the, the evolved catalog right yeah so yeah. That's probably the closest thing I can answer to you. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how much you ever talk about the albums in the 90s, which I absolutely love. I love Analog Man. And I love Ride. Uh, Ride's probably one of my favorite. Songs. Ride is, Ride is perhaps my favorite album. Okay. 
like even maybe more than waking and dreaming like ride is ride has some great great performances yeah. and great songs up
Now, just like the landscape of the music industry, that like how how well did that album do? Did it? I meant album sales, but whatever. But just to connect with fans and stuff like that, because you wouldn't really think. No offense, of Orleans in the nineties. No, so 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 again, we reconvened. We had an offer. That's what reconvened us in nineteen ninety to do a pair of shows that became a live. Right for Japanese release, okay. So that got got us going, and then I was actually I had moved to Nashville in '89 because there was nothing going on. Right, and I got a nice phone call, job offer, down here. That changed my life entirely. That's a whole other story, but uh, that brought me here in '89. So I was busy, but when we had the offer for the October 1990, you know, I made time for that, and then I went back to Nashville. And the guys played a few shows without me, probably count them on one hand, in the early 90s. But we also, in 91, we went to Japan. We did a five-city tour. I made that. And then come 94, we did another Japanese tour. And by that point, I was, okay, I'm, at, uh, um, I'm, I'm committing full-time again to Orleans. So I made all the highlights, right, <clears throat> early 90s. It wasn't a lot. And from that, we got an offer to do an album, Analog Man. Yep. And so we worked on that for Japanese release in 94. And there's some good stuff on it. It's just a little, um, I, I think it's, uh, when I go back to it, I go, oh, yeah, it's better than I remember. You know, it's like, so, but it's not my favorite, but it's got some right. cool stuff on it. And it had the start of a few, few things that turned really good, like Heaven. Yeah, there was, uh, an earlier version that I'm not so fond of, but when we reworked it for Ride, it really came alive. Yeah. Um, and so Analog Man was on Pony Canyon Pioneer, something Japanese label wasn't really released in the states. Yeah. You know, you know. And then Ride, we got a a deal with a label with a label aptly named Dinosaur because they quickly went extinct. <laughs> So, so we did uh, the Ride album, and there was a single from it, and even a black and white, low budget video for "I Am on Your Side," and it was starting to chart somewhere, yeah. uh, chart, and then and the label folded, you know, which was not unusual for us. Uh, we made a uh, one of a kind in '82. That label folded right after we made it, um, so on and so forth. So, but so Ride didn't have any traction either, you know. Yeah, and that was what led John to leave the band again in '97 because it was just nothing happening, right? It's yeah, like he didn't like pushing the rock up a hill any more than I do. But so, yeah. so, so those things sat there. Um, and the next thing we did was a compilation of live stuff in 2002, and the next thing we did was the Dancing in the Moonlight CD in 2005. Because, but due to lack of budget and whatever we put uh, it was half new and half 90s yeah stuff people hadn't heard right made up that made up that 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 compilation yeah how much of that stuff like from ride and like any of that stuff from the 90s what's the reaction like that and shows if you do play that stuff um in we we haven't worked it up in this band and it's not easy right heaven Heaven always got a good reaction when we were, when we pulled that off. Uh, when we were with Chip Martin, that version of the band in 
19, in 19, we did a ride itself. Okay. That, that's hard charging song. Um, um, I'm trying to think what else is on that album that we've done, but if, if we undertake them, you know, they go over. And yeah. They, they don't go over. They don't last. Right. You know? trying to think uh i'd have to see there's so many songs hundreds you know yeah where to place them but those two stand out right and can go back uh a few years prior to that and the third album with let, let there be music and with, which featured dance with me which is also featured on the second album so yeah so what made you guys release it again on the third album Well, we made our we made our debut album, which is both the band in the Northeast and you know it was upstate New York. Yeah. Breakout and but no hits. And then we made the second album we made for this was for ABC, both of them. We self-produced, it has nine cuts on it, Dance With Me was on it, Let There Be Music was on it in their their most raw initial uh, recordings. 
and ABC hated it. So they just dropped the band and they're like, we're not releasing this. Right. So then uh, we went back to New York City. We did our showcase thing again. We got uh, picked up by Asylum. Chuck Plotkin, the head of A&R producer, who later went on to do, you know, Bruce Springsteen. and Yeah. Right. So he he heard, he heard, he heard what we could do. He heard those songs and he got the re-recording rights for Let Through Music and Dance With Me. So we could record them again. Mm-hmm. You know, got to buy those rights, and that's that was uh, that album. You know, the, the, the let the music was the first single, yeah. which top fifty maybe. We'll crack the door open, and then uh, dance with me was right. top five, six, whatever, whatever, yeah. what chart you look at. Yeah. yeah, time passes on. That wasn't a single, right? No, another classic, and we do that. Okay, I absolutely love that, that song. Yeah, it's you know, and it's so appropriate. Uh, as part of the show right because you know i do my rap about i'm the last guy standing blah 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 50 plus years blah, blah, blah. and then we do time passes on you know it's like and yeah. so it harkens back to the beginnings right right it's just really appropriate and so yeah that's, that's a classic that's a great one Oh, 
I mean, it's still the one. It's kind of obviously still in popular culture. I think Applebee's had a commercial a few years ago, if I remember. And like everybody, King, right? It's just so you you must love that when you more money for you guys. Yeah, you know, um, it, it is among the most licensed songs. Yeah, ever. Right. For commer- commercials, movies, TV shows, things of that nature, from you know local banks too. Yeah. National ad campaign. So, uh, we made that record in seventy. It came out. In, it was a hit in seventy six. We did not see a royalty from that from Warner Brothers until nineteen ninety six. Wow, twenty years. When simultaneously, and that's because you build up this. You know, you spend, 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 and we right. had a four hundred thousand plus something deficit yeah. on the on the books plus they like to hide money right so that's just how the game is played but in 96 and this is you have to understand this is a period of uh we're not doing so well i was also uh that was my first year of recovery okay right so it was not a, and then suddenly still the one was used by both toyota and burger king simultaneously for national ad and TV campaigns. And suddenly, you know, the, the cup overflowed. So so we had paid off our debt, according to them, and right. then started getting paid, um, not only like quarterly or whatever, semi-annually, but as jingle singers. Okay. We're having, because it was uh, our own voice, our own version, not right. some sound alike, yeah. right? So, those checks were like every other day you get 200 bucks or 2000 bucks or, you know, and so while I'm in the, uh, the throes of my infancy of recovery, I just go to the mailbox and there's money. And I was like, really like a blessing, super blessing. So it took until 96 for that to start happening. And that was, that's been good. But, and so, somehow, even though streaming pays so badly, yeah, the last Five years or more, it just the the, the sources the, the those royalty sources have just gotten bigger and bigger. Right. So they'll peak at yeah. some point, right? As our generation fades out, right? But they, I don't know if they peaked yet. But but I could live on that alone, which okay, is great. great. And it didn't. And it's so that's I guess if you wait long enough, you know, you can win. Right. It took 20 years to start, and then it's been another almost 20 years of uh, paying back. And now I just turned 70, like, two weeks ago. Okay. Happy birthday. Yeah. Right. So so it's a milestone. I'm not freaked out. I'm also, like I said, I kind of peaked in 2019 energetically. Yeah. With my you know, playing here, there, and everywhere. I don't really, I don't really want to do that so much anymore. I do. Want, I don't want to retire. I just want to kick back a bit. Yeah, and I'm able, which is because uh, I'm not right. rich. I've never been rich or wealthy, you know. But I'm okay, and um, that's 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 not bad to be seventy and still have a career and still have a band name, a brand, right? Even if I'm the last one standing, that people like what they hear, like they enjoy the show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just works, you know. To win win. Yeah. And now it's the point where the fans dictate whether you guys continue. So it's yeah, the fans, the buyers. You know, it's like yeah. 
are they going to promote a show? They, they're the ones who take the, uh, I guess, the, the check. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the risk reward, right? Right. So, um, you know, it can't go on forever, but I think, I mean, if I can get another three years, another five, mm. wow, you know, but so I'm looking, thinking in those terms, another couple, three years, or maybe five, but I don't really see it after that. And, uh, and that's that's pretty amazing anyway. Like that, I can even, that Orleans can work. 52 years in that's pretty amazing right it's it's crazy yeah it's, it's shows how uh, how loved the band is and how strong it's and still going that's great yeah yeah and good to have a couple of three you know like some people really know that two hits the third hit love takes time they know yeah. that right so if you can do this on that you know it ain't the eagles you know it ain't that yeah, yeah exactly. right but you know we have our, we have our place in the hierarchy and i, I realize where that is right and then I guess now with the term yacht rock, it used to be easy listening or soft rock. All of a sudden, like about 10, 12 years ago, became yacht rock. Yeah. So we yeah. we kind of fall in that bag and kind of, you know, not not right down the center of it, but inclusive. inclusive. Yeah. That's why they called this thing sail rock, because yacht rock was a branded right. thing, trying to clone it, you know. But yeah. it's, it's that 70s, uh, pretty white uh <laughs> uh you know mainstream kind of yeah you know what yeah. used to be what used to be soft rock you know right called call that you know yeah exactly it's one of my favorite stations on satellite radio it's it's definitely a go-to of mine you know you guys always show up each day so <laughs> i remember john used to tell a story about a friend of his calling up and says hey dance with me is number two on the list easy listening chart that means it's the second easiest song to listen to in all of america <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. One way to think of it. Yeah, true. Yeah, speaking of the radio, like, do you remember where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? No, not specifically. Um, no, not specifically. I mean, th I might have heard a cut from the first album, right? State New York somewhere, you know. But I, no, it's not a thing that registers with me. Of course, those days are foggy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about like you know recently hearing like I don't know one of them like in a weird place like dance with me or something like that i'm sure like i hear you know when you go to home depot or in a restaurant or yeah I, and yet, you know at the softest level i just can pick it up it's like oh there it is yeah like, <laughs> right subliminal yeah exactly you don't go around saying that's my band right you just go, go buy your plywood and whatnot right <laughs> exactly yeah right where's the duct tape yeah exactly but uh, Lance, I really appreciate your time. Um, hopefully, if you had some more shows, you come my way because I'd lo love to see you, you guys perform. And uh, best of luck. Yeah, we're in Macon on in February, and then we're going to do a, the, rock, the Rock and Romance cruise again in, in March and, um, and a couple of shows scattered throughout the year so far. There'll be more, and we'll come to New York for sure. People can find us um, at orleansonline.net. We lost our.com. That's a whole other crazy story. Right. online.net or the orleans online youtube channel uh or orleans music is where we are at facebook but say, thanks noel it's good to um uh, we're looking forward to this because it's it's reminiscing for me you know 